I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit NFL.com slash schedule release to learn more. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, Money Movers, welcome back to Money Moves, the daily podcast determined to give you the keys to the kingdom of financial stability, wealth, and abundance. In 1898, they passed the Curtis Act. Now, I know we get into 1921. You think about it, 1898 is just two decades before 1921. In 1898, they passed the Curtis Act, which was the General Allotment Act. The Muscogee Creek Nation and the four other tribes had to divide up its lands equally, except in the Choctaw and Chickasaw Nation. That was a little worse for black people because their enslaved black people called freedmen only received 40 acres. And yet the Indian and their intermarried white husbands received 320 acres. Now think about it. You are Indian, you go marry a white man from Kentucky. He comes and lives in a tribe. He's been there two weeks. He gets to get 320 acres. You have been enslaved by these people for 200 years, and you only get 40 acres. That was in the Choctaw and Chickasaw Nation. In the Seminole Nation, Cherokee Nation, and the Muscogee Creek Nation, each tribal member, black or red or white, got 160 acres. This started in January of 1898. 
And, and just restate, that was because of the Congress, Congressional Act, right? It was a Congressional Act of Congress. It's called the General Allotment Act. Well, it's not, it, was, it was the final disposition of the five civilized tribes because upon that, they were going to create the state of Oklahoma. And the only way to do that was to end the tribal governments. And nobody would be subject to a tribal government. They'd be subject to one state government. And so in 1900, they, 1901, they passed the Five Civilized Tribes Citizenship Act. They put the uh, tribal members, black, white, or red, under the, uh, 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 the what do you call it, territorial courts. They ended our tribal courts, you know, and they were just kind of getting people ready to be under one state. Now, in this division, because this is important, you got to think about it. And I'm only going to speak from the, from the Creek perspective. The enslaved people and their descendants received 160 acres, starting in 1898, ended April 26, 1906. That 160 acres totaled 1,094,240 acres. That's roughly about 8,000 black people. 1,094,000. 240 acres. Then you have the Indian population that we call the by blood members. A quarter of those Indians had some African ancestry. And it's important to say this because in the negotiation for statehood was that all the members of the five tribes would have, uh, when the new state happened, we have voting rights, we have all these rights that white folks have in the other states. And when, they, when, the, when the members of the Senate were here doing the conditions of Indians and Indian Territory interviews, they were asked the black man, the Black Creek, don't you want to become an American? Don't you want to live like the people in the states? And every black person they interviewed said, no, 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 we fine, brother. We glory in being Creek. We're satisfied is the word they were used. No, we're satisfied because we know how black people are being treated in Arkansas, which is just next door, and how they're being treated in Texas, which is just down south, and how they're being treated in Kansas. We already know that game. We're cool. No, thank you. But they forced it anyway. They forced it on us anyway, and it ended up happening. And sure enough, even though at statehood in 1907, the black people in the Creek Nation owning 1,094,240 acres and a quarter of the by blood Indians having some African ancestry, immediately the first law that was passed, even though they're landowners, you can't vote. You may be landowners, but you can't vote. You have no say in how we elect this government, even though you're the landowners. Think about this. Also, think about the women. Half the allottees in Indian Territory were females. They had no right to vote either. So you had a small classification of white Indians in our tribe who could vote because they could pass as whites at that point. And then you have all of these black, and then they made the Indians white. The only people that they didn't allow to vote were Negroes. Not Indians, not white people. 
in the tribe, the black people in the tribe, though they own all of that land. That's just in the Creek Nation. Got Choctaw, Chickasaw, Cherokee, and Seminole Nation. So literally a third of Eastern Oklahoma owned by black people as statehood, they have no say on how the government is gonna run. And it was part of the scam because the federal government said, yes, you will. But when they allowed the state to pass its constitution and start passing its first laws, on the docket was the Jim Crow laws. And, and to that point, when, when those laws- that, The Greenwood area comes about because of Tulsa and the Townsite Act of May of 1900. Okay, so this is that map. And I don't know if you guys can see this or not. Yeah, he's got a close-up over there. So okay, so this is the railroad track, the Midland track that came through way before Tulsa even existed. There was nothing here. This area here north of the tracks in here is the beginning of Greenwood, here. But actually, in our history, an area right here where the tracks actually bend north into the Cherokee Nation was an early black community called Hodges Bend's where Creek Freedmen had actually settled because they didn't want to work in the Cherokee Nation when the railroad was coming through. One of the conditions of the railroad being built through the Creek Nation was that it would have to be Creeks that build this. They can't bring other people in. We had to use our own work workers. At least some of them had to be our workers. Well, the freedmen themselves refused to go work into the Cherokee Nation because just 10 years before that railroad went through, the Cherokees had slaughtered a number of black people in one of the Civil War battles. And they remembered that, and they won't forget that. So they, at night, they came back into their settlement because they didn't trust being in the Cherokee Nation after dark. So anyway, when this started after 1900 to be sold to white people and on and on, the black people that started to come here just like white people, there are two classes of black people in Oklahoma. There's the native blacks, which are the freedmen and Indians with African ancestry, some African ancestry. And there are the state blacks, black people who immigrated here from Mississippi, Tennessee, Kentucky, New York, Chicago, anywhere. They were not from here. The native blacks have been here on the Trail of Tears. They're the beginning. And so they didn't immigrate here. They were part of society, but the state blacks that started to come here, like Stratford and, and Gurley and others, and so many others before them, came in with the whites. You gotta remember that black people were still labor for those days. You know, the buildings going up in New York, the buildings going up in Chicago and Philadelphia and Atlanta and on, and the houses built all through the South for a century or two were built with black hands. They had the skills to do that. And even in Tulsa early days, we didn't have Mexicans like we did we do today. Today, you know, you want some build around here. Nine out of ten times, when you hire a contractor, he's gonna bring a whole bunch of people from South America or Mexico here to do the work while he makes the money. Now, back in those days, those people were not here. Black people were the labor, and they were paid for it. It wasn't enslavement. It was actually skills that were needed. And when you look on the U.S. population census in 1910, for example, for the Tulsa area, the black population wasn't that big because Tulsa, but, and I'm not talking about freedmen, I'm talking about state blacks, were, was not that big because Tulsa hadn't started the boom yet. 
It was just at the discovery of the Glenpool, which is just south of Tulsa, that the, the influx of whites and blacks started to come here. In 1910, the Tulsa population was 12,000 or so people. In 1920, it's 78,000 people. In 1920, about 12,000 of those people happened to be African Americans. Not African Creeks, not African Choctaw, not even though some freedmen lived in those communities, the majority of people were from the states. And when you look on the population census, you have, uh, it, it listed their names, their wives' names, their kids, it lists their ages, it lists the origins, what state they were from, what state their parents are from, it lists their occupations, it lists their value of wealth, and in 1920, it also says that they served in World War I. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. <clears throat> AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from the Washington Post wherever you listen. You know, so it's got that in there, too. So when you look at the census, you see very few people. You do see some that were from Oklahoma, meaning that they were born in Indian Territory and they were probably a member of one of these tribes. But for the most part, everybody's from somewhere else. And then you'll notice something very peculiar. They're in the construction business or they're, they're working in an oil and gas field or they're building houses, or they're bricklayers, or they're this, that. They got skills, and white people desired that because they were building just as fast as Greenwood was. 
And what, what was happening in Greenwood was that black people were working for white folk, mainly, building their mansions around Tulsa because of the oil and gas boom and all the high rises that were going up in Tulsa at the time, the big buildings on and on, and they would get their checks. And because of the Jim Crow law, you can only live and spend money in your community. Tulsa thrived because, I mean, the Greenwood community thrived and started growing because of that. And when that man who was working on a high rise got his check and he went back to his community and start cash that check and start spending that money in Greenwood, that dollar stayed in Greenwood before it left. It just kept recirculating. He needed a haircut. The haircut guy needed a shirt. That, that guy that makes the shirt needed material. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. But guess what? All of them needed food. And food at that time didn't come from California and damn sure didn't come from Mexico. It was grown locally. Who owned the land? A third of the land was owned by freedmen. And when the oil monies that were being made, none of it was made in Tulsa. Tulsa has no drilling rigs in Tulsa. None. It's all in the rural areas. And a third of that land was owned by black people. You hear stories about Sarah Rector, the richest black girl in America. She's running around with no shoes on. And the family that had gotten her oil and gas lease had already built two mansions. NAACP had to come get her in 1914. It's in the Crisis Magazine. They had to take her up to Kansas and create a birth certificate that made her white so she didn't start collecting money. She ended up eventually going to Tuskegee, becoming a very successful businesswoman, you know, and her, oil and her allotment was over in the Drumright area in the Cushing oil field, which was one of the major oil fields of that time, you know. So that, that was the wealth that generated everything because there's no manufacturing here. There's none. Nobody's making cars in Tulsa. Nobody making books or, or making telephones or whatever. It was simply agriculture first in the whole state and then oil production. And then right after that, gas pipes started to be used. Then it became natural gas, but not initially. So, but agriculture by far, because of World War I, the people, white people over in Europe killing each other, they can't grow crops because they've blown up everything over there. The American crops were extremely valuable. And where the Freedman allotments are, I'll show you this map. I like this. This is the Muscogee Nation. This little map here, this 654 acres, see this little yellow dot right there? That's that. That's the 654 acres. This is the Arkansas River. This is that same area here. The blue is the land that the black people in the Creek Nation own, the freedmen. The red is the by blood. And remember, a quarter of them were actually having people that have some African ancestry. That blue represents 1,094,240 acres. And if you notice, this is Muscogee County. This is Wagner County here. 
This is Tulsa County here. This is Creek County where most of the oil and gas was. And, and over in Creek County, because the, when the allotments happened, there was such, there was surplus. There was, there was so much land that it had, it was too much and there was not enough citizens. So Congress passed a law that allowed the newborns, or people born after the first cutoff date, and minors who were not included to be enrolled for allotments. We call them newborns and minors on the roads. They were given the surplus lands. And the surplus lands, ironically, were allotment areas, the lands that nobody wanted because it was all blackjack and natural gas would kill you. Blackjack was? <laughs> trees, blackjack trees, post oak and blackjacks, forest area. You couldn't grow anything because unless you cleared out the forest to do it. So nobody wanted to do that. When you, along the Arkansas River, you had all this clear land that was fertilized for, by the buffalo for thousands and thousands of years, and it can grow anything. Those are the lands the freedmen got, mainly because there are three tribal towns, Canadian colored, Arkansas colored, and Norfolk colored were already in that area. When you look at this map, and look at the town site of Tulsa and the amount of land owed and the fact that the, the children were given the worst of the lands, which actually turns out to be the best of the lands because of what was underneath it. So that's what was creating the wealth, you know. And you had savvy black people who were members of the tribe. We think about Buck Colbert Franklin. Everybody, you know, you're down at the Greenwood Cultural Center in the Reconciliation Park, and there's a statue of Buck Over Franklin. He's a Choctaw Freeman. Choctaw Freeman. His brother was a principal for one of the Creek Colored Schools. The Muscogee Creek people, though their schools were separate for freedmen and black Indians, they were still as sophisticated as the Indian schools. Tallahassee Mission, one of the first colleges for black people, were right here in the Creek Nation. That was west of the Mississippi River. It's called Tallahassee Mission. My grandfather went there. Excuse me, my great-grandfather went there. My grandfather happened to be in the first class at Langston University back in the early 1890s. The fact of it is, is that the Indian tribe, the Creek Nation, educated anybody that wanted to be educated, including women. My grandmother went to New York a mission. Her mother went to New York a mission. Her husband went to Eufaula mission. These are all high educated schools within the Creek Nation that were sophisticated enough to produce people like Buck Over Franklin and Cootie Johnson. You ever wanna read a story about a phenomenal black man, James Cootie Johnson, Google him. He would blow your mind. He was attorney general. He was born a Creek freedman. He was attorney general for the Seminole Nation. This brother was dealing with the Senate in Washington, D.C., just like the white people were. Anyway, and he used to hold the, their, the equivalent of Juneteenth that black people hold today. Black people here used to celebrate the Treaty Day which was the day that, that, free, that freed them. It should be said, too, somewhere in your film, that when black people were freed here, it was a year after everything went down in the States and the Emancipation Proclamation had no effect here. Neither really did the 13th and 14th Amendment. 
It had to be a treaty with a foreign Indian nation that actually freed them. And in this land that you're on today, it was June 14, 1866. In the Cherokee Nation, it was July 19, 1866. In the Choctaw Nation, April 28, 1866. Seminole Nation, May 21st, 1866. A year after everything went down in Gavison, Texas on, July, on June 19, 1865. Slavery went on another year here. So anyway, Cootie Johnson would hold the uh, Freedom Days. He was talking about the treaties. And black people from all five tribes would celebrate with fireworks and all of that. It pretty much died out in the 1930s. People just, as, as people went into another generation, kind of like the millennials today, <laughs> they stopped celebrating those old things. They remembered them. They would pass those stories on but they were replaced, particularly in the Black Creek community, with the African-American stories and the way of doing things. So Juneteenth became popular, or though Fourth of July and those other Americans' holidays have replaced a lot of the holidays that were here, and then the Indian tribes kind of become, became insular, and in that we have our ceremonies and holidays, but we don't advertise them. We know them, we know where to go, we know where to do. They're usually places that are not on maps, but we know by word of mouth how to get there. And they're celebrated without ca cameras. And a matter of fact, you can't even film or photograph a real Creek ceremony. They would break your camera because it's that sacred to them. If you think about our people on the Trail of Tears, they ha we have fires for each one of our ceremonial grounds that have never been out as long as people can remember. That fire has never gone out. There's one person that's in charge, born to be in charge of that fire. That fire was still lit on the Trail of Tears. That fire was lit in Alabama. It was still burning. A thousand years before that, it was still going, and it's still going today. And so when we have those ceremonies around those fires, they're not to be filmed because they're not for books. They're not for documentaries, on and on. It's part of our religion of respecting our God and how we, we worship and stuff like that, you know? So, and black people were part of that. Black people who became members of our tribes were part of those ceremonies. Unfortunately, when our tribes kicked them out in the 1970s, they started excluding them from those ceremonies. And, and anyway, here we are today. So, but the wealth of Greenwood, well, Greenwood started, oh, you know, it's important to know that when you get north of here into the Cherokee Nation, where most of Greenwood was eventually built, it was built on a Cherokee Indian allotment named Mary Turley, who often is confused with O.W. Gurley. <laughs> so I've challenged them many times when they say that, go look it up. You can go down to the title office, you can come to the tribes, whatever, and you can see the original allottees and who bought those, bought those lots or how that land was actually sold because our allottees are the first people on the deed. And it's easy to research because 
There's websites now you can go to. You don't even have to go down to the title office. You can just do it online if you, if you don't want to travel there. The Hastings plat map shows every creek citizen that was given the land, where it's located, the description of the land, so forth and so on. Cherokee Nation the same way. And the, I was suspicious, when I first heard that story about Gurley buying 40 acres, and I was actually with a group of Indian people, and we heard that. Thank you so much for tuning in, Money Moves audience. If you want more or a recap of this episode, please go to thebankgreenwood.com and check out the Money Moves podcast blog. Money Moves is an iHeartRadio podcast powered by Greenwood, executive produced by Sunwise Media Inc. For more podcasts on iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you ready to take charge of your health journey? Look no further than Trinity School of Natural Health. With their flexible online programs, you can receive the comprehensive education you need to care for your loved ones or step into the thriving field of natural health. Why choose Trinity? Because their programs offer more than just coursework. You'll interact with experienced instructors, connect with like-minded peers, and even participate in optional live events to hone your skills. If you've ever thought about becoming a certified natural health professional, the CNHP program at Trinity School of Natural Health is the perfect certification course. You'll equip yourself with the knowledge and skills to make a real difference in the lives of others. Turn your passion for natural health into a rewarding career. Visit trinityschool.org today to learn more about the Certified Natural Health Professional Certification Program. Go to trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Trinity School of Natural Health. Transform your life. Transform the world.